For over 20 years, I built my life around being a successful teacher, wife, mother, perfectionist, people pleaser, but to be honest, I felt like a puppet. Then the wrecking ball hit and demolition began. In 2012, it was discovered that I had a rare genetic disease that caused the development of a vascular tumor at the base of my skull. I was scheduled for surgery in March of 2013, and during the embolization process, the day before my tumor removal, I suffered innumerable ischemic strokes. The recovery prognosis was grim, and my family was told that if I lived, I may not ever walk or talk again, and if I did, I would need months of rehab. My brother Chuck, a minister, was at U of M Hospital with us and immediately went into prayer. At my bedside, he anointed me with oil, laid his hands on me, spoke healing, and praised and thanked God that I would be singing and dancing again. Numerous prayer chains were started, and today I'm a walking, talking testimony to the power of prayer. Nonetheless, the strokes have left me with significant deficits in my memory and cognitive abilities. I also have hearing loss due to the treatment of the tumor. My career was shattered as I was not able to return to my job as an elementary music teacher. My marriage ended in divorce and my sons were alienated from me, leaving me feeling abandoned and betrayed. I moved five times in four years, which added to my anxiety and PTSD. And I was denied my disability three times. In order to rebuild my life, I had to surrender to his will. I intentionally chose to live with an attitude of gratitude, focusing on the abundance of blessings in my life rather than the losses. Spending time in his presence brought me much needed rest and relief. God has used this time of rehabilitation to liberate me from my past. He is transforming my mind, body, and soul, teaching me patience and forgiveness, restoring my relationship with my sons, and I'm now realizing the perfectness of his timing as I was finally approved for my disability in June. He has made a message of my mess and a testimony of my tests. Buried in the rubble, I found my identity in Christ. As Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Well, good morning, church. Uh, I don't know about you, but hearing that testimony uh, fills me in a way that it's hard to describe, right? And there's something about when we name what God has done, even nonetheless, I think that's the word. I'm so thankful for Margaret and so thankful for her word of testimony today. 
And I know that each of you have a story as well. And we're going to be going on a journey today of generosity. And I think that this is a timely journey today. And I hope, are you willing to go on that journey with me? Sounds really good right now, doesn't it? Uh, to encounter God's generosity. We're going to be working through one particular verse of Psalm 23 as we've been working through the season. But as we often do, I'm going to need your help as we begin at the beginning here. Uh, the words are going to be up on the screen. So if you would read with me, we're going to read Psalm 23 in its entirety together as we prepare. So would you read these words aloud with me? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, my friends, I believe that God is generous and that we can live in the overflow with gratitude. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, for all the times that we have prayed and said, that is too much. And God, for all of the moments where we have prayed and say, God, it is not enough. Help us to come face to face with your generosity today. Lord, as we enter your house and sit at your table, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes and reveal to us the good host. Help us to see clearly today so that we can live lives of abundance, so we can be filled, so that we can flow out and be set free to live as generous citizens in your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we begin today, um, I know I was asked as we came in this morning, are we having communion today? Well, the answer is yes, but not like what we would expect. I'm going to uh, encourage you to use your imagination today. Imagine a banquet table that is just decked out. Can we do that? Some of you may be saying, okay, wrap up the sermon because now I'm hungry. Uh, but I want you to think about this table being filled and you're invited. And so as we begin this morning, I want to ask a question. Have you ever felt that you were set apart for a purpose? Like deep down in the core of your being, maybe there was a moment or maybe it was more than one moment, but you knew this is what I was put on earth for. This is my purpose. Have you had a moment like that? A moment of clarity? A moment of being set apart? Well, November 20th, 2011 was a, was a special day because that was a day that I was being ordained as a pastor in the Church of God in Michigan. And I remember standing before the General Assembly and you give your testimony and I was sharing, uh, I'm going to share with you a small piece of what I read on the day that they anointed and prayed for me. I said these words, my greatest desire is to know God and to make him known to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, and to give my life for building his kingdom in the earth. And I still remember that moment like it was yesterday. All these pastors and men and women, giants of the faith, gathered around, 
and they took some oil and they anointed and prayed over me and they prayed over others as well. And it was in that moment that my heart was full. I guess you could say I had a really full cup to overflowing. Fast forward, a different picture, December 5th, 2019, I was writing a prayer to Jesus, and it was really a lament, but I said these words, that's my struggle with you, Jesus. You put together the broken, except for when you don't. I said, I'm tired, I'm tired of hoping, tired of praying for breakthrough, and I pray that you would actually fill my hands with something that is worth carrying. Everything I have feels taken away, but maybe I'll sit down and stop and rest for a while, and maybe, maybe you'll come. Two moments, from anointed to annoyed, and I think that's an understatement, (laughs) is to say, full cup, empty cup. Can you relate with that? Can you relate with both of those experiences? I wonder, as you think about the year 2020, was there a time this year that you encountered something that was unfair or not right? Some of you are saying, well, do you have a pen and some paper? Uh, Because (laughs) there's a lot of things that I'm sure if we were to sit down at the table and just talk together, we would say, well, I could name a lot of times when something ended, or I could name a time when I felt like I had a container like this one and I was pouring out, and then all of a sudden, I realized it's been empty for a while now. And we have those experiences. The best way I can describe it is the feeling of disappointment. And I wonder... As Max Lucado writes, he says, disappointment, the definition of that, is actually a missed appointment. What we hoped would happen did not. In other words, God did not help, and I was hurt. Have you experienced something like that? Disappointment, then, can turn into bitterness, which says, well, God, you didn't provide, or God, you didn't heal. God, you held back from me. And bitterness, if it's left unattended, can actually become, this is dangerous, but it's true, can become unbelief to the point where we say, God, I don't know if you're good. In fact, I don't even know if I believe in you. And there's a cycle that happens where we just need to sit down for a second. And for me, there's moments in my life as well, even this year, where I've had to sit down and recognize Remember what I said at the beginning, we're going to talk about generosity today. We're going there, okay? So hold on. (laughs) We're talking about generosity today, but we have to, first of all, recognize something. We have to be humble enough and open and transparent to say that it is almost impossible to be grateful, let alone generous, when we're disappointed. Do you agree with that? It is near impossible to be grateful, let alone generous, when we're disappointed. So as we go to the psalm today, I want to ask this question, and I've got some anointing oil with me because we're going to talk about that, but Psalm 23, verse 5, he anoints my head with oil. I want to ask this question, is God generous? And a second question that goes all the way back to the garden, is God holding out? Is God withholding from us? So let's look at Psalm 23, verse 5. You anoint my head with oil. I'm curious, have any of you experienced being anointed, either being prayed over, set apart, prayer for healing, comfort? It's a powerful experience, right? I want to talk about real quickly in the Bible why anointing is so important. 
And I knew going into this week, I was like, you know, there's a lot of places in the Bible where anointing happens. I didn't realize just how much and for how many different reasons that anointing occurs in Scripture. The first one, maybe you're familiar with this one already, is that anointing means to be set apart, to be consecrated, to dedicate for special use. So think about objects of worship or things in the temple. Think about how people were dedicated. King David was anointed by Saul to be king, or Samuel, I'm sorry, to be king. And then think about Jesus. Jesus was anointed to represent God to us and represent us to God. But not only that, Jesus was set apart as the Lord of all creation. Jesus was anointed and is anointed. And the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they were set apart before they were even born, but Jesus chose them and set them apart. He gave his Holy Spirit so that they would be his witnesses in all of the earth. We are a people who are set apart. And so that's the first one. Anointing in the Bible is to set apart. The second one, and I love this one because I've encountered this one, is to comfort and to heal. To comfort and to heal. And I'll give just a few examples from Scripture. Mark chapter 6, verse 13, we see the disciples. It says, they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people and healed them. They anointed them with oil and healing came. God's power And in James 5.14, we actually receive this word of instruction. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And it goes even further than that. Scholar Kenneth Bailey, remember we've been talking about the shepherd and the host. So the psalm is kind of taking us from these two images. Well, the shepherd uses anointing as well. And I love this. The shepherd uses anointing to repel insects, which is very helpful and also to comfort and to heal. Isn't that a really helpful image when we think about God as our good shepherd? So oil, just to recap, there's nothing magical about what's in a bottle of anointing oil, but what it represents, though, the presence of God and the power of God. But here's where I was blown away this week. I didn't realize that Psalm 23, we're talking about a whole different level of anointing. And what we're talking about in Psalm 23 is the anointing of hospitality. Now, in the Middle East, there's a custom that when you arrive to a banquet, and I didn't know this, this was pretty cool, uh, the host many times will anoint their guests of honor with oil. And a lot of times that oil will be perfumed. It will have a great scent. Does that sound familiar? So you'll be anointed as a symbol that you are welcome, that you are honored, and that you are loved. I want you to think about, do you know anyone in your life that was a really, really good host? Do you know somebody who pulled out, maybe you're one of these people where if you throw a party, you don't just throw a party, you really throw a party. (laughs) Any good host or hostess out there, those who went, maybe you can think of somebody who went over the top with their hospitality. And this is especially moving because in Psalm 23, remember who the host is anointing David with in the presence of, in the presence of my enemies. So the host is being very intentional here. I'm anointing you, my welcome, my honor, my delight in you, even in the presence of your enemies. And so 
Maybe you can think of a time when there's a host in your life who really nailed it. Can you think of anybody that's like, okay, I knew that they were really good at hospitality, but they nailed it. Like, it was just over-the-top generosity. Maybe you've been on the receiving. Maybe you've been able to do that. Well, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus was the guest and the host missed it. Can you remember that story? So Jesus is in the house of Simon the Pharisee, and there's a couple of things that didn't happen for Jesus. Number one, he didn't receive a kiss, so I'm okay with that. If I walk into a room, that's okay. But custom was to receive a kiss, to have his feet washed. It didn't happen, and he was not anointed with oil. But guess who did? The woman who came in and broke the alabaster jar and anointed Jesus' feet with her tears and washed with the perfume and with her hair. And Jesus says in Luke 7, 46, you did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. And we see this picture of someone who missed it and someone who really got it because the woman who anointed Jesus loved much and received much in return. So now we flip the roles. In Psalm 23, God is no longer the guest, but God is the host. And we come to the second part of the verse, which says this, my cup overflows. It's a really helpful image, but how many of us today feel like you're working with an empty cup? I'm not talking about half full, half empty, that sort of thing, but I mean empty, and it's been empty for a while. I, uh, I don't want you to hate me for this, but recently I took a walk on a beach in a warm climate, and it was beautiful. There's just something about walking with Jesus when there's waves and sand in your feet, but don't hate me. It was, a, it was a deeply spiritual moment. <laughs> um, but I was so grateful for this moment because uh, as I was walking, I felt the need just to stop. So I, I like to pray as I walk, but I just felt this need to, to not say anything. And then it was almost as if there was a whisper that came and said, what's empty is going to be filled. What's empty is going to be filled. And you know what I imagined? I imagined something like this because this comes to my mind when we take communion, when we pour it out. But then, all of a sudden, my attention was directed from this image out to the ocean. And I almost felt as if the whisper, the Holy Spirit said again, you're going to need a bigger container. Right? I think my picture was too small. Because... If you're a fish in the ocean, you're probably not worried about running out of water anytime soon, right? And I love what Max Lucado writes. He says that according to David in this psalm, he's basically saying our hearts are not large enough to contain the blessing that God wants to pour out. Because in the Middle East, if you were to sit at the table and if your cup is to be filled, again, we're imagining, so if your cup is to be filled and the host continues to fill your cup, that means that you are welcome, you are honored, you are loved. But what happens when your cup starts to go low and it's not getting refilled? That means, well, the hour's probably late or it's time for you to go. <laughs> and so it's just one of those hints, right? But every once in a while, the host himself will delight in the guest so much that he will come himself and pour it out until it's not only full but overflowing and now the tablecloth and you are soaking wet because he just loves your company. 
And I want us to think about that and to let it set in because sometimes when we are the guests, if we imagine ourselves at God's table, sometimes we wonder, am I welcome? Am I really still welcome? Or we're afraid of running out, aren't we? But I want to encourage somebody today with this. Our host, who is God, feels very, very different. So is God generous in your life? There's something that I'm learning about myself, even in this season, is that when I'm running out of something, there's this feeling of empty, right? So we can relate with that. But then there's another feeling that follows. It's called envy. It's kind of like one sibling who has one piece of candy left after Halloween and the other has 20 pieces of candy left. And yes, you already ate all yours. You try to explain it, but there's still that envy, right? So when I'm empty, I begin to envy what someone else has. And that leads to, if I, especially if I don't feel welcome, it leads to a deeper emotion, which is jealousy. Emptiness to envy to jealousy. When I see others who by appearances look as though they are honored and welcome. Max Lucado asked this really, really good question, and I had to stop here in camp for a little while, but he says, here's a really crucial question. If we're focusing on the items that are ending, and it leads us to envy, what would happen if I focused on the unending items instead? If awareness of what I don't have sparks jealousy in me, what will awareness of abundance spark inside of me? It's kind of like looking out in the ocean and hearing a voice say, you're going to need a bigger container, right? Here's what I believe, and I really, this is where I want to present to us today, is that we can live in the overflow of God's generosity. However we feel, we can live in the overflow because there's more than enough. Now, it's one thing to say that God is generous. Like if we were to say, yes, God is generous, I agree with that. How is God generous? Because maybe we're in a season right now where it just needs to become very real, very practical for us. Is that okay? So I want to make this as practical as I can. How is God generous with us? Well, first of all, it's his spirit. And then he is generous with his healing power. And we're going to talk about these. And as we look at the psalm today, He is generous with his hospitality. So let's look at a couple of verses, Um, Luke 11 and 13. uh, I really like this verse because it talks about our host, and this is Jesus speaking about his spirit. He says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We call him our helper. We call God our comforter, our counselor, our advocate. When we invite the Holy Spirit, we actually need a bigger container to hold what he wants to pour out because here's what we can do. And I love this prayer. Whether or not, by the way, I feel generous, I love this prayer. I say this, Holy Spirit, fill me with your love and power. That's a prayer God loves to answer because he promised it. Holy Spirit, fill me with your love and power. So that's the first thing. God is generous with his spirit. We're going to dig a little bit deeper. He's generous with his healing power. 
And let me just say this. I don't know why. I, don't, I, have, I have more questions than answers, actually. I don't know why God chose, for example, to heal my back when I couldn't walk or tie my shoes, but he didn't heal someone I love when they passed away. I don't know why. I don't know why he healed this relationship, but not that one. I don't know why. But here's what I do know. Through intentional and voluntary forgiveness, God is healing my heart. Because God is in the business of healing. I just want to say that to someone today. God is in the business of bringing healing in so that it can flow out. In fact, Max Lucado uh, points out, he says, when you think about how Jesus anointed his followers, he did not spread over them the oil of prevention. But what he did do is he prayed for them. Jesus equipped them, and then he sent them out to be good news to the world. So here's what we can ask. God, what do you want to heal in me, and what do you want to heal through me? If God is generous, it has to start here. God, what are you healing inside me right now? And then through that, what do you want to heal through me to others? Because it's always so much bigger when we realize that, but it has to start with God and us. And this is where we come to hospitality. This is where we're sitting at the table together. Because when you know just how much Jesus loves you, when you've experienced oceans of grace, not a trickle, but when you experience oceans of grace and kindness, the response is overflow. And the overflow is gratitude. And then when we're grateful, generosity hospitality becomes a part of who we are because we have first received God's own hospitality, which makes us grateful, deeply grateful, which then makes us generous people. And in the overflow, let me just present this, that I believe that gratitude is the antidote to disappointment. Gratitude is the answer to disappointment. And I want to be careful here. I'm not saying deny pain. I'm not saying ignore what hurts. What I'm saying is we're shifting our focus from things that are ending to things that are unending. And when we shift our focus, that becomes faith in us. So let me just be really open and transparent. I like sitting down. especially It's nice to just sit, isn't it? So I like to sit down, and I actually this week was sitting at my table at home and it was, a, it was an awesome moment because sometimes when you're reading and praying, um, you know, it's still dark out. <laughs> uh, it's dark this time of year. But this was a moment where the sun was pouring in, and I felt like here I was sitting at a table having breakfast. Familiar scene, right? Jesus loves to sit down and have breakfast, just so you know. Um, having breakfast, having conversation. And as I've been sitting at the table this year, this year, with my disappointments, with my doubts, and honestly, with my weariness. Anybody else there too? When I sit at the table, sometimes I'm just weary. But what I'm realizing again and again is that this table and this meal came at a big cost. In fact, when we're talking about cups, Jesus' cup was filled. But his cup was filled with the suffering and the sin and the disappointment and the hurt of this world. 
this cup was overflowing with it so that my cup and your cup can be overflowing with resurrection life. So I get this image of rivers of living water flowing down and drenching us over the brim with generous love. So let me say this. I want to I wanna kind of wrap up, because as we're reflecting together about God's generosity, if there's one thing, one message that I want you to hold on to today, it's this. God longs to be generous to you. If, you, if we all walked out of here today and truly deep down believe this, this would be a great day. To believe again, God longs to be generous to you, to fill you with his spirit, to flow into you with healing and out, and to set you free to live with gratitude. Do you believe that? I know we're in process, and that's okay. <laughs> I'm in process too. But God is generous, and I can live grateful in the overflow. I want to flip this question around. If God is generous, can I be generous? Because what? It's one thing to say, okay, God, all right, tracking with you, God is generous, God wants to be generous, but what does that mean today for me? How do I respond to this? I almost wonder if it's a couple of things. Favor and forgiveness. So we experience the hospitality of God, that's his favor. But the way that we know the deep love of God, that's forgiveness. God wants to fill us, right? So when we ask, Holy Spirit, fill me with your love and with your power, that's so that I can experience and then show over-the-top hospitality to someone else. God wants to flow into us, so we say, God, what do you want to heal in me so that he can flow out of us and actually set us free And the way that God, I believe, is setting many of us free in this season is forgiveness. Forgiveness for myself and forgiveness for those who hurt me the most. This is hard work. But if you're in the overflow, it changes things, doesn't it? And my prayer for us today is that our starting line, some of us, we just need, where do I start? Let's start here. God, you are generous, and I am grateful for. You get to finish that sentence. God, you are generous, and I am grateful for. It starts here. What are you grateful for today? I love that video at the beginning of the service because chocolate milk was a good answer, I think. So, um, but if God wanted to fill your cup today, what would he fill it with? Would he fill it with his spirit? his presence, his reminder, hey, I haven't left, I'm still here. And not only that, but I want to fill you with my presence to overflowing. Does God want to heal something in you and I? Does God want to give healing through us? Does God want to fill us with just welcome? I'm so glad you're here. Come sit down and have breakfast together. For some of us, that might be the best invitation we've heard in a while. It's just to say, my beloved, come sit at the table. I'm so glad you're here. And when we do, when we actually open our hearts to God's generosity, I really believe we're going to need a bigger container. So my friends, in this season, my encouragement to all of us, myself included, is to step out of places where we're stuck 
and into the overflow because it's there. God is generous. And I want to leave you with something. In fact, um, it's one thing to be aware, but through the days and the moments, it gets hard, doesn't it, to become aware and to say, God, I want to be grateful and to live grateful and to experience your power at work in my life. And what I found helpful in this season are short sentence prayers. Anybody else? Those moments of, dear God, help, that's one. Um, or thank you, God, so much. Like short sentence prayers are great. And I want to give to you some short sentence prayers. In fact, these are going to be on the screen. And in fact, would you stand with me as you're able? Let's stand together. Um, this is, these are prayers, by the way, that are prayers of an awareness of saying, God, I'm aware of just how much you love me, but also, God, I want to receive all that you have for me. And so if these prayers are your desire today, I'm going to encourage you to pray them out loud, but I also hope that this week they become a useful resource for you as well. So if you feel comfortable and just raising your hands just to, as a posture of receiving, would you pray these prayers out loud with me? Holy Spirit, fill me with your love and power. Jesus, pour out healing in me and through me. And Father, set me free to be generous like you. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. And God, we are so grateful for all that you do. Amen.